Hello. Hello, John. Oh, hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm, I'm well. How are you? Fine. You've been uh, jet-setting again, haven't you? Uh, puttering around. Put, yeah, where put, you put, were up in, I mean, uh, in Chicago and New York, it sounds like, right? That's right. Two of the, two of the big, big American cities. I've been to Chicago, but I, I never had time to really explore it because I was at a, a conference <coughs> and I, was, I basically saw the airport and I saw the inside of a taxi and then I mm. saw the hotel and the conference room and then I, that's it. There's a lot more to Chicago. I've heard that. Than the but, airport and that one conference room. Yeah. That's what I've been told. Yeah, it's a big city. It's a messy city, but it's also an organized city. Right now, they're tearing up all the streets in Chicago for some reason. And uh, so it's it's a little bumpy, a little, little rough to get around because all yeah. the streets are, every single street in Chicago, they tore them all up. Every Every single street. That doesn't seem possible to me. It seems like Every um, an Every single street in Chicago. Did you rent a car? Were you driving around there? How were you doing it? I had uh, I had the uh, the luxury of a car sharing service. It's like uh, it's like a thing now for um, very few, very special people. Where you just you have there's an app on your phone. Yeah, no, I know about that. I'm asking oh, yeah, if you yeah, were, yeah. you know, I could see a guy like you looking down upon that and frowning upon it and saying, no, not, not for me. I want to drive around this town and driving around late at night. I do look down on it. I do say those things, but I don't want to drive. I want to walk. And the problem is like in New York, I just, I just walk and I'll walk a long, 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 long way rather than take a car or even the subway. But in Chicago the other day, day before yesterday i set out from the hotel to walk and it was freakishly cold that day and i didn't have i i brought a hat on the trip but i left it in new york accidentally not on purpose and i walked out of the hotel and i started to walk and it was you know it's going to take me an hour or so to get to the venue and i was freezing and you know chicago is cold so I went into a little store, a Target. You may have heard of this little yes, chain. Yes, I know that one. And I said, I'd like to buy a hat. And they said, well, um, we don't sell hats this time of year. And I looked and they were all wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> and it was like 48 <laughs> degrees. Right. And so the store had done the thing where they were like, it's May. We're switching over. And, uh, and I was like, there's not a hat in the whole place. And the kid said... I mean, there's like a Cubs hat up by the cash register. So I bought a Cubs hat. I saw you wearing and, that in your Instagram photo. Yeah. And then I started to walk wearing my Cubs hat and I got like 10 blocks into this walk and I was like, I'm freezing. Thank goodness for this app that allows me to call a car to this very location. So I took a car service. And then af after the show, I tried to walk back to the hotel. Same problem, still freezing. Mm -hmm. The next day, it was 80 degrees. So I missed it by one day. Missed, missed my pleasant walk across Chicago town by one day. Because I'm not, you know, I, I, there's a time, Dan, I would have walked in the freezing cold. I was going to say, what's, be, what is really, what's considered, what do you consider to be cold anymore? Uh, I, cold is, is, is totally a factor of what you're wearing uh -huh. and what you have to do tomorrow. So I was underdressed and also 
I didn't want it. You know, this is like n- absolutely not the time of year to get an earache. An earache. You know what I? You know what I mean? It's not. You got an earache. Well, a little. Yeah, I got a little from from the cold. Yeah, because it's not. It's a Chicago cold. It's uh-huh. not a. Uh, it's not an Austin cold. If it's fifty degrees in Austin. You're like, wow, it's 50 degrees. It's kind of cold today. Sure. But 50 degrees in Chicago is like 15 degrees because the, because of the wind, you know, it's literally called the windy city right there on the, the top of the stationary Mm -hmm. wind blows in off that lake. Oh, you read about it in books, Dan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Cold bone chilling cold. I just would have thought anyway, that somebody like you would have a a thicker skin to things like that. I was just having a conversation with somebody about you earlier in the week, and they were pointing out that the way that we feel about the cold here in Austin is the way that you feel about warm weather there in Seattle. And that's something, if it, it's, I think you said to me, I forget whether it was 75 degrees or 80 degrees, but you said anything beyond that is unbearably hot. Too hot. And I I don't disagree with you that it's too hot, but it's perfectly okay. Like I, if you told me it was 95 degrees out, I'm prepared for that. That's not a big deal. I can still do the stuff I need to do and, and not think twice about it. But if it, if it goes below 60, 55 degrees, like I'm not going to be outside that much, you know, 50 degrees, 45 degrees. That's an indoor day for, for me as an Austinite now. Right. And I feel like it's flipped for you. 50 degrees for you, that's, that's good walking around weather. 85 for you, you're not venturing out. Well, 85, I'm okay. But the thing is, Dan, it, 50 degrees is great walking weather. You put on your, your nice wool jacket, you put on your woolly hat, and uh, you set out put your put your thick socks on and out you go and that's normally how i would approach it but i uh i packed a small bag for this tour and it was it's supposed to be 80 degrees in new york mm-hmm. and so i put in some linen shirts and a light windbreaker well i wouldn't go out for a long walk in a drizzly 50 degree day in a light windbreaker here in seattle either right layers layers and layers my, you know, wool is an extra layer of skin for me. Mm. A lot of people don't like wool. They want a technical garment. They want something that wicks away the sweat. They want something that, uh, that has the gores tex. Mm-hmm. But I don't like that as much as just a, just a, a boiled wool. And it's, you know, it's heavier. It smells like a dog, but it, um, but you can get you can get wet and and you never get cold. You can get wind and you never get cold. With with a wool jacket on, you don't get cold. And I did I did get cold. You know, it's like the people who come here for South by in March, and they think Austin, Texas, Texas is a hot place. March, that's basically going to be a hot month in in Austin, and they and they don't know that in March we frequently get. For relatively speaking, for Austin, we we frequently get very cold, you know, forty degrees, rainy, wet. That's normal for March here. I can say after being here for like nine years, that's normal. But every single year, you see these people south by, and they think Austin, Texas, it's hot, and they're in shorts and t-shirts, 
absolutely miserable walking around downtown miserable. And it's the same thing that happened to me when I visited Portland for the first XOXO, which I feel was like in September. And I had been to Portland before I'd been to Portland in the summertime before and was cold and had learned that I need to bring, I usually would wear boots and bring, uh, you know, jeans and a bunch of shirts and a, a couple jackets. And so when I went for South by, I mean, for XOXO, I was very prepared for that. It's September. It's Portland. It was 20 degrees hotter there than it was in Austin. And yeah. we were miserable the whole time. Ain't that the way? It's Ain't crazy. Ain't that the way? Yeah. You know, my sister and my ex-girlfriend at one point decided not a, not, that- for, for the record, not the same person. My sister and my ex-girlfriend were different people, but okay. they were they were good friends, and uh, they decided they were going to move to Barcelona together. Oh. Uh, which was a little, you know- Yeah, I don't uh, care for that. I know it was a little confounding for me, but you know, there it is, uh, whatever. Yeah. So off they went and, um, and they went to Barcelona and they had that same thought like, Hey, we're going to go live in Barcelona and be like sunshine girls. Mm. But it was January in Barcelona and it's freaking cold in Barcelona in January. And so they moved there and they got an apartment and they were very depressed and they huddled inside and smoked <laughs> cigarettes and, um, didn't understand, you know, c- continued to not understand why things in Spain weren't like they imagined. Right. I think they, I think they lived there for, for four or five months though, before they, before they finally were like, all right, we have to, we have to reevaluate this whole thing. We don't like each other anymore. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, <coughs> but you're back now and that's the main thing. You're safe. I'm ba- oh Dan, I'm safe. Yeah, I'm a, I'm 100 safe here in uh, in old Seattle town where it's cold, or it was. Who knows what it is outside now? I haven't been outside yet today. And why would you go when I have the internet and my podcasting? Everything's oh. right here. Everything what, you need is here. Yeah. What could I need? What could I need outside? <laughs> it's a weird place out there. I, I wanted to talk to you about these trucks, though. Okay, you've got you've been sending me some trucks. Yeah. Because you you apparently have a lot of stories to tell about these cool trucks and I think the audience that uh, may or may not be listening would enjoy hearing about them. But I've been I was one of the things that I do is I wander around looking for trucks. Old, typically like anything in the 50s through the 80s. Uh-huh. Usually Ford. That's what I've got my eye out for. If I see a good one, and I'm not pressed for time. I'm liable to uh, to pull over and 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 take some pictures. Uh-huh. And so I posted a couple of these, and people seem to like them. And you commented, and you said, "Oh, I had that truck, but it had a thing." And I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting story. You seem to uh, to be interested in Ford trucks more than the- more than like Chevys. I would say Ford, Chevy, GMC. Maybe, maybe the, the Ram, AKA the Dodge Ram would be a, a tied with the GMC. Well, is that it, bad? You no, said, like, it's having, a bad thing. In having strong feelings about trucks, you are in, uh, in the majority of, a, of American 
people. Uh-huh. Uh, the truck loyalties are strong. They're felt very passionately. I I was driving a truck one time that um, ran out of gas on the side of the, the road far, 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 far away. Gas gauge was broken. I was out in the middle of nowhere, so I'm standing by the side of the truck just waiting for a car to come along. Here comes a car. It's a truck. Guy pulls up. I'm like, ugh, I'm out of gas. And he said, well, it's a good thing you're driving a Chevy because if it was a Ford, I wouldn't give you a ride to town. See? And I was like, huh. And the thing was, I had no particular loyalty to Chevy, Chevys at the time. I was in a kind of, a, I was in a messed up situation, happened to be driving this Chevy. That, and so I was like, yeah, Chevys. He was like, <laughs> hop in. And he drove me to town, got some gas, drove me back out. And the whole time he was just like, Chevy guys got to stick together. It's like, yes, sir. Rebob, we do. But you'll find, I think, that in the in the truck department, the pickup truck department, the Ford people are the, um, I would describe them as the, maybe the strongest branch mm-hmm. of, the, of the pickup truck people. And it makes the Chevy people a little bit like, it makes them puff up a little bit bigger because they, because they know that they're kind of, uh, they're, they're tilting against the, about against the big show up there, you know? Yeah. Like yep. if you come for the King, you got to come correct. And so the Chevy <laughs> people have a lot of, you know, they, they wear, uh, they wear those satin jackets, you know, like uh-huh. real proud. Yeah. But yeah, you seem to like, you seem to, you, the trucks you send me tend to be F two fifties from. Yeah. That's what that one was. The, yeah. From the early eighties, the yeah. late seventies to early eighties. Which I think is a great generation of trucks. We would like to say thank you very much to Linode. Linode, that's who we use for all of our infrastructure here at 5x5, as well as everything that I do over on Fireside.fm, the podcast hosting company that I run. It makes everything so easy. You can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud in seconds. You can pick your Linux distro resources that you want, the node location, in other words, the data center that you want it to be in. It's amazing what you can do with Linode. For example, if you needed to suddenly scale up or scale back your services, you can do that so quickly and easily. You can clone machines and deploy them anywhere you want. It is such a a genius system the way they have it. And they actually just released an all new interface that makes using it even that much more easy there are data centers in Canada and Brazil now that have just opened up. They've got object storage to all locations now, built-in backups. We use their load balancing stuff all the time. And they even have backup and warehousing built in. Like it's all there. Anything you could want to do, it's there. I've used these guys for years and they're great with 24-7, really friendly support. The people that you're talking to, they know what to do and they know how to help you. There's hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers, long view. You really can get a server there up and running in under a minute, and it is amazing. They're coming out with so many really cool features. I, I know about a couple of them, and I can't say yet, but it's awesome. And they're hiring. So if you're like a, a, a Linux Unix nerd like me, and you want to find a cool place to work, you can go work there too. 
But here's the deal for y'all listening. Visit linode.com, L-I-N-O-D-E, linode.com slash roadwork, and you will get a $20 credit if you use the promo code roadwork2018. That actually could give you four months of service there because their initial plans start at only five bucks a month. So consider that when you're signing up linode.com slash roadwork for a $20 credit, use the promo code roadwork2018. Thanks very much to our friends over at Linode for making this show possible. I think it was, I think it was uh, no less a person than what the heck was that guy's name? Um, Tom Bodet. Do you remember Tom Bodet? Tom Bodet did the commercials for uh, uh, for what was that? There was a hotel chain. That, their motto was "We'll leave the light on for you." Oh yeah, I remember that. That was Tom Bodet. Tom, Tom Bodet was an Alaskan writer who wrote like whimsical sort of folksy uh, books about like, oh, down here on the Kenai, we've got 75 kinds of salmon, you know. <laughs> oh, it was Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for okay. you. Um, and, and wait a minute. Yeah, he he had he he's not from Alaska, I guess, but he was he did this like Alaska thing for a long time, and we we loved him up there. Read his folksy books, and at one point he said in a book, "There's nothing wrong with the 1966 Ford F250, and I don't understand why they didn't just keep making it. They didn't need to change a thing about it. They could they could be making that truck to this day." And I remember reading that and going, "Huh." Why do they change things? <laughs> they could still, and you know, and I've thought that ever since, like they could still be making the 66 GTO with minor changes, but the, there's nothing wrong with the car. Nothing wrong with it at all. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the styling and the, the sure. sensibility of it. You know, they could just add anti-lock brakes when those got invented and add, I don't know. I don't, you'd have to change the steering wheel to add an airbag. So I wouldn't recommend that, but you know what I mean? Like why, why the big, why the mad rush to stop making cool things and start making worse things. Mm -hmm. So I'm always in the market for a truck right now. I'm driving a GMC vehicle, the, uh, the suburban, but I had a, I had a Ford F two fifty. Um, I, I drove my Ford, e350 van for many years so i'm one of those traders i go back and forth across the line why do you think there is such a like a brand loyalty to one and and a a sort of a stubborn obstinance to even considering going to a different kind of a vehicle you know a different brand especially in the truck space like and this is the other thing i just want to i just want to point this out for people who Maybe our, our, we have a lot of international listeners subscribing to this program. Uh, people who are even not, who have never been to the south or southwestern parts of the United States, who don't understand that here in Texas, for example, and people would say, well, of course it's Texas, but I found this to be true in Florida, in Georgia, um, in, in many southern states that I've spent a lot of time in is that the trucks that when we're talking about pickup trucks that they're either I wouldn't say that they universally outnumber cars but that they're it's not 
I remember growing up in Philadelphia. I never saw pickup trucks, never saw them, never. And so when we moved down to Florida and I started seeing them, I, I fell in love with them. I thought they were great. This was like this vehicle I'd only ever seen really on TV. You know, I had never seen people driving around and really using them and doing things with their trucks. And that's when I first started getting exposure to a truck, first started driving one. And, and for most of my adult life, I didn't have one. Uh, but then when I got back into getting one, I found that they had, like you're saying, like they had really, really, really changed. Like it used to be that a pickup truck was a bare bones, 100% functionality kind of a vehicle. Like it was, it existed for you to haul stuff around. And if you didn't have stuff to haul around, what business did you have with a pickup truck? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, they, there was, there was no one buying a pickup truck because they thought they were cool if they thought they were cool, it's because they had exposure to them from using them for their construction work or pulling their, uh, hor- you know, their horses behind the truck, you know, like it was, it was for purpose stuff. And then now I actually was reading an article that was saying that a lot of people are opting to get a pickup truck because especially the ones with super cabs, there's way more room in my truck than there was in the SUV crap that I was driving before it way more room inside and forget about the fact that I can haul stuff, which I do. And like, I moved this whole office on my own, uh, you know, desks, chairs, all the books, all the crap, everything just in, in the truck. It took a few trips, but like, that's super convenient. And here in Texas, I mean, every second or third vehicle is, and this is in Austin, which is, you know, which is not like some rural place, really. Mm-hmm. And still, every third vehicle Austin is likes a truck. to think it's not. Well, it's not. It's not compared to, you know, to to uh, Marfa or something like that. <laughs> you know, um, well, there's a reason for this, Dan. That's that is a li- maybe a little bit more of a. Um, maybe it's this is a little bit more of an omnibus podcast topic than a than a road work one but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll explain it briefly which is that during the fuel um the the fuel economy years the late 70s the fuel economy battles of of um of the late 70s when uh cars were being increasingly like covered with uh, with emissions controls and economy mm. controls the catalytic converter and they were they were um detuning cars so even though your motor might have a big displacement it had had a lot less horsepower because they would you know they changed the way that the the um they just they 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 de-hotted a lot of cars and cars were just like these big bloated no fun vehicles yeah but um there was a there was a law passed like mandating fuel economy and emissions, but it, it divided cars into two types, passenger cars and light trucks. Right. And the, the, uh, the requirements, the standards for light trucks were totally different than passenger cars. And you could get away with bad fuel economy, more horsepower, bad pollution. If you called it a light truck, and so the uh, the Detroit, which is what we call it here in America, the Detroit, 
Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they just started pouring energy into making light trucks, and a lot of a lot of Americans liked the extra horsepower. They liked the kind of the uh, the the idea that they were by owning a truck were some kind of working people or some like somehow it was an American thing. They the TV commercials had flags blowing in the breeze and <laughs> and uh, once you're on the road with it because as you say when when I was a kid right there were pickup trucks on the road but they were doing jobs. Uh, most cars were cars and. Um, now, anywhere in America, even here in Seattle, if you're driving down the road, every other car is a truck of some kind. Yeah. Maybe every third car. Uh, but once you're on the road in an environment where there are a lot of trucks, you realize they all sit up high. They block your view forward. Like when, when you're living in a world of cars and you're stuck in traffic, for instance, and the cars are more or less the same size – you look ahead and you can look through the windshields of the car in front of you and see the car in front of that and look through their windshields and see the car ahead of them. And so you're, you understand your environment when you're driving, you know, when cars up ahead are starting to stop. Yeah. For if, sure. you're driving, if you're driving by in a truck, especially if you're in a car, you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. You're just behind this truck, and if he puts on his brakes, I guess you put on your brakes, but you don't have any way of knowing what's going on ahead of him. Right. So people start migrating to trucks because they sit up high. They can see what's going on around them. They feel safer. Even though they're not, they're less safe because trucks have fewer, like it's right there. They have fewer of everything. Nowadays, like, yeah, they're they're made into comfort comfort limos. <laughs> you know the PT Cruiser? Sure. Was a truck? Really? Yeah, they built it in such a way that they were like, "No, it's an old it's like an old panel truck." And they they got that passed as like a uh, they they slipped it past the the exemption board or whatever. I mean, it's it's, it's egregious. But with the thing you're talking about like in Europe or in Australia uh, or in Africa or Asia or anywhere that there are people there are prejudices about cars. I mean, the Europeans are as bad, if not worse. People in the UK that are into cars are are way into cars. They invented being into cars. So, <clears throat> and they're super they're super pissy about brands. And the thing about the thing about Europe is they have Formula One, right? And and I guess that's true in like hillbilly America too people watching um nascar you know nascar we have a formula one track here in austin in austin i heard that yeah yeah it's a big deal i like huge acts have come and played there and like the formula one racing is here and it's part of the main i i watched this formula one documentary series on netflix i had never formula one and nascar both were kind of like the thing that comes on after football uh-huh. And that's kind of when you, you can kind of tune out what's playing on TV and talk to the people that for the last couple hours, you have only just sort of shouted at occasionally. And I never really paid much attention to it. I'm not a car guy. I'm not really into cars. I'm not into vehicles. I had a phase 
toward the end of high school where I was very into cars and I was working in the auto shop and I got a job at like a local mechanic repair shop so I could learn how to like fix cars and do stuff with them. But they're compared to people that like get into cars like you're talking about. I've never, I've never been like that. And now I'm way even less than that. But after watching this formula one documentary on Netflix, I'm like, yeah, like I could actually get into that now. Like I thought it was really, really cool. Really? Yeah. To my own surprise, I, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Formula one for some reason is, is Americans have never really, Americans embrace soccer before they embrace formula one. Although <laughs> in right. Europe it's a freaking religion, mm-hmm. but you know, people there care so much about I mean, whenever you see somebody in Europe that's wearing a Ferrari jacket, they are not talking about a Magnum PI Ferrari. They are talking about formula one Ferrari. Mm-hmm. So there's all that car brand loyalty. I think it's, you know, like tuner dudes and, uh, you know, like the big muffler crowd, sure, they're into Volkswagens and and uh, Acuras around the world. But there are all kinds of there are all kinds of car restorer nuts and stuff. But mm-hmm. the thing you're talking about, the Ford versus Chevy thing, that yeah. goes all the way back. It's it's something it's something primal in America. You know, the the story I was telling you was one where I really. I, I was really wearing a Cubs hat to a to a Yankees game. I was way way up in Alaska one time driving uh, uh, driving my dad's. I, I may have told this story before, but when my dad was leaving Alaska, he called me. I was living in Seattle at the time, and he said, uh, "I w- you know I've got all my stuff packed." He was moving to Tacoma, and. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I'll rent a truck and I'll, I'll come up there and I'll pack up this truck and I'll drive your stuff down for you. He was like, okay, good. And then he, ta- I talked to him a week or two later and he said, I bought a truck. <laughs> and I said, huh? What? He's like, I was talking to these kids. <laughs> I live here in Girdwood and they had a truck for sale and I bought it. It's perfect. I was like, you bought a truck? And with my dad, that could mean a couple of different things. You know, uh, he he was not a wheeler dealer. He was not somebody that, um, I, you, you know, I knew that whatever he whatever he paid for whatever this was was just what they asked him for. Like he's not going to haggle with somebody. But my dad was car conscious. My dad thought certain things were cool and certain things weren't, and he may have run into some. He may have run into some people that had a really cool truck and he, and, uh, and so I was like, you bought a truck and I've, I had always wanted a pickup truck and never owned one at that point. So I was like, this gives me pause, but, um, but there's an element of it that, that is interesting, you know? And, and, um, I asked him to describe it and he was like, well, it's a, it's a Chevy and it's a, you know, the grand poobah version. I was like, okay, I'm not sure. And I asked him some questions about it. He didn't know the answer. And I already had a ticket. I was flying to Alaska already. Mm-hmm. I was going to, I had, my intention had been to go, um, to the U-Haul and rent a truck. But 
I was going to Alaska and I was bringing my girlfriend who was from La Jolla, California. And she had never been to Alaska. And she and I were kind of on the way to breaking up. We hadn't, we weren't broken up, but we were on the way to it. And it was, you know, it's not, typically I, I don't, when I break up with somebody, it's not like a big, big fight, a ton of like anger. It's just a growing feeling of malaise. At least it was in, in this, in the, these times. So, you know, our thing was kind of just sort of, it had, it had turned a corner, but I, but I wanted to take her to Alaska. I wanted to show her Alaska and, um, and I thought she would enjoy it. So we, what it was, I guess, was I was flying up there like a few days before she got there. And, uh, my dad was going to meet me at the airport. I was going to go, uh, get here, get him situated, get the stuff ready. Then he was going to leave and my girlfriend was going to fly up and we were going to pack up the truck and drive down together. That was what it was. So my dad picks me up at the airport and we walk out into the parking garage there at the, at the Anchorage airport and we're walking down the row to where he's got the truck parked and it's just pickup trucks <laughs> both sides the whole way down and every truck as we're walking up i'm like is that the one? Oh, that's cool nope that's not it oh what about this one that's a cool truck nope not then looking over the other way oh that's a oh whoa that would be a cool truck nope and we walk all the way to the end of the row and every single truck we passed I would have preferred to the one. Oh no. That was the one that we had. Why? And it was, you know, a mid eighties, but, but like the, 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 the most boring era mm-hmm. two wheel drive half ton. No two wheel drive. Why rust bucket? What a what to any of these things, um, but it was it had the it had the tr- it had the trim level um, uh, that was like it was one of those things, you know, you know those vans you see on the road that look like they're all decked out. I'm talking about a regular size van that's got like really. Uh, a bunch of sort of plastic molded bumpers and stuff around it. It's sure, got windows yeah. in the back. Yeah, it's got, yeah. it's got captain's chairs in it. <laughs> yes. Um, those things are, are built to be like these comfort plush kind of situations, mm-hmm. but they're terrible. They're terrible vehicles. Uh, typically, you know, they're, they're like the, they're a weak suspension. They're a weak motor. They're weak brakes. They 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 build all that like uh, that all that uh, cushion, and they're and they're meant to be driven by old people in the slow lane. Mm-hmm. You know they're not. They look hot. They look like hot rods, but they are. But they're the opposite of that. And bands sometimes make the mistake of getting one of those because they think they're going to ride in comfort, but the trucks aren't like they're not 
super duty, right? They're not ready to be used by bands. They end up just getting trashed. Mm -hmm. So this thing had, you know, this thing had some kind of like high country trim level where it had plastic molding and all inside. And it had, uh, it had a fancy highliner or headliner. It had a bunch of tricks inside, you know, stereo and, and windows and all this stuff. But it was like the absolute base model in terms of equipment. And so I climb into the truck and dad is like, so proud. Oh, here it is. You know, the truck. He'd already started call. He already had a name for it. And I opened the door and it was clear that two hippies and a dog had been living in the truck. Basically, you know, it was filthy. It smelled. And I was so disappointed. I was disappointed in the truck. I was disappointed in my dad. You know what, what this truck belonged in the crusher, whatever he paid for it was too much. And I think he paid too much for it on top of that. And, you know, both my mom and my dad feel a little bit like, uh, you know, if my dad had overpaid for this truck, he would have thought of it in terms of, well, those two kids were nice and I gave him a little money, helped him out. He was primarily worried that he had done a bad job of getting me a truck. Oh, right. And he had. Yes. <laughs> so there was this big, you know, this big ghost in the, in the truck and we had to drive all the way down to Girdwood. So it wasn't like a short hop. We were, we got in the truck at the airport and we spent a good hour in it together driving down to his place. And the whole time I'm just like, oh no, this is a mess. So we got down there. I got my dad squared away. I guess he, he flew out and then I was alone with this truck and I got a screwdriver out and I went inside and I took every single piece of trim and soft material that I could, that wasn't just upholstery and just unzipped it and threw it in a dumpster. And it ended up being a huge pile of, if you pull all the garbage out of the inside of a truck that doesn't need to be there, it's a huge pile of shit. And this all just like, like, what, what exactly were you pulling out of it? Well, so a headliner is the fabric and the, and the insulation right across the top, across the top. And it's held in by four pieces of plastic that make up a square of plastic around it. And those four pieces of plastic are connected then to the rest of the truck by other pieces of plastic trim, you know, plastic trim that come down on either side of the windshield and that come down behind the door. And then the doors have these door panels that on this car were, were upholstered because it was a, it was a deluxe, uh, trim level. And that upholstery was all infused with cigarettes and patchouli and pot smoke and dog, uh, perspiration such that they it could never be cleaned. And then that's all encased in plastic trim. And you've got your, all this carpet on the floor that was all matted dog hair and wet, you know, moldy muck. Ugh. And so, and you know, the, the seat, the bench seat is also upholstery, but you, there's not nothing really you can do with that except try and clean it and then cover it with a blanket, which is what I did. But 
tearing all that stuff because I wanted the soft stuff out. But in order to get the soft stuff out, you have to take the hard stuff off too, the, the trim, the plastic stuff. Yeah. And once it's off, why would I put it back on? Now, the problem is, of course, that that is, that's all sound insulation too. And as soon as you take it off, then you're riding in a, in a noisy cab. But I'd rather be in a noisy cab than one that, that smells like a goat, you know? Definitely. So threw all this stuff in the dumpster, all the carpet, all the gross stuff, tried to, tried to vacuum it as best I could, threw a blanket over the bench, took it down to a mechanic at my dad's recommendation, mm-hmm. changed the oil, changed the, it did, did what maintenance they could on the motor to get it ready for a long trip. Loaded up all my dad's stuff into the back of this truck, just completely crammed. Uh, uh, there was a canopy on it. My girlfriend arrives. We spend a couple of days hanging out in Alaska, and then we're ready for our big adventure. And we get in the truck, and we drive. We drive and drive and drive and drive and drive. And we're, we're going to drive down the Alcan. And we got all the way up to uh, you know, past Glen Allen, all the way up not to toke. What was the, it was Haynes junction, right? Where, no, where did I say? I told you where it happened, right? Um, it was, uh, it was, we basically had crossed the border into Canada and had gone 50, 60 miles, you know, sort of past the, past the beaver creek border there and um i was asleep and my girlfriend was driving and she woke me up and was like hey um you know like a light came on and i woke up and i looked over at the dashboard and every single light on the dashboard was on because the temperature gauge was pegged Uh-oh. <laughs> there was steam and smoke oh, coming yes. from under the hood I'm remembering this vaguely now this story yes the oil light was on the heat the the temperature light was on the um i mean this was sort of prior to check engine lights but every gauge was just the oil pressure gauge everything was just and i was like no shit turn it off <laughs> and uh and the motor was seized because somewhere along the line, the the guy, I think the guy that changed the oil, the, the auto mechanic that came at my dad's recommendation had not put the oil f- drain screw back in all the way or something. And the car, the, the, the truck had run out of oil or, or was, um, it was not burning oil that fast, but <coughs> anyway. So here we are way, way, way up in Canada and we're in this, we're in this burned out truck basically on the side of the road and we've, some nice people came along, some nice Canadians came along and they towed us to, they towed us to Beaver Creek and we spent the night in a hotel there and we realized that it was going to be a little bit of a trick to buy a truck in Canada 
because that's what I figured we needed to do. There wasn't any place. It's not like we could have rented a truck in Beaver Creek. There wasn't anything anywhere to rent a truck. But we were close enough to Alaska still that it felt like we should just hitchhike back across the border, go to the next town. My gosh. And see if we could buy a truck. So we spent the night in Beaver Creek. We hitchhiked back to Alaska. The guys at the at the Alcan border thought it was real hilarious. That we were coming back in. Went to this little town. And I'm trying to remember what this little town was called. It's right up there. It's the basically the first Alaskan town of any size across the Alcan border. You know, there's not a there's not a ton going on up there. But it wasn't I don't understand why the uh, it wasn't it wasn't all the way to Northway. Anyway, I'm sorry I sound a little distracted today. I don't know what's going on. What's but happening to you? Do, do I seem do I sound distracted to you? I mean, or not not distracted, just not very fast. Do I sound just sort of like Bleh? a little? But I, I mean, it's not. I'm not upset or anything. I'm starting to transpose letters and stuff well, you just be, to, you have just been traveling and and the dose of radiation that you got you know from the flights and all that oh, could be interesting good and recovered well so i went i so i got to this guy i got to this auto shop here in this place and there were a couple of brothers working there and i was like i need to buy a truck and they said well get a truck and i was like doesn't matter just get me just sell me a truck cheap and they were like, huh, all right, let, let me call around. So they called around to a few of their friends and they put together this list of like four trucks that people would be willing to sell us today. And a couple of them were like three grand. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm not going to pay three grand for a truck. I just want to, I just want a shitty truck. And I'm going to trade you this other truck, this one with the burned out motor. They're like, huh, thanks, but no thanks, but okay. And we, we went back and forth. There were a couple of trucks that were thrashed. There were a couple of trucks that um, were too expensive. And they said, well, we've got this We've got this Ford F-250. And I said, yes, tell me more. And it's a king cab. It's like an 82. It's powder blue. I was like, this sounds great. And they said, but it's got a Chevy 350 motor in it. And I had never heard of that. That's bizarre know, to me, isn't it? Didn't know it was possible. Right. It, well, it shouldn't be possible. Well, if you're living up in, you know, in some town outside of Northway and you, uh, and you don't have access to every damn last thing, you make that stuff work. And so I said, I want to see the truck and went over to it. And it was a... You open the hood and, you know, the, the, a Chevy motor and a Ford motor have stuff on different sides from one another, you know, like the alternator and the, and where the hoses go. Right. And, um, and this person had, whoever it was that did this transplant had done a really interesting and good job of running the belts and the hoses from hither to thither because they were Chevy parts and Ford parts interacting with one another. Mm -hmm. But it had been done, it had been done cleanly. It wasn't just some, uh, some kid that, that 
threw it in there together and, and was running like dryer hose from one place to another. It was, it looked like a, it looked like a well done job. And I drove the truck around and these two brothers were like, we'll sell it to you for 1500 bucks. And it was a risk. It was a big risk. Yeah, it was to buy a truck that was that screwed up, just fundamentally screwed up. But I bought it. We loaded all our stuff into it. I gave them the, um, I gave them the, the burned out truck and we drove it down to Seattle and it ended up that truck ran fine and I drove it for two or three more years in, around Seattle. It was the truck that the Western State Hurricanes used as their band truck, our band truck, I guess. It became like a, it was one of the motor vehicles I claimed to have owned. But it was, it was never not a conversation starter with anybody that was even remotely interested in cars. And some people, you know, you, some people you say like, Oh, it was a Ford with a Chevy motor and they don't bat an eye. Some people are like, Whoa, interesting. And there are other people that when you open the hood, they look in and at a glance say, Whoa, why is that in there? Because they're, because they know, they know cars and motors and they're like, what the, and that happened to me a few times and it was always really gratifying <laughs> that I'd be working on it or something. I'd have the hood up or I'd pull in somewhere with a question and they would, and I wouldn't say in advance, I'd just be like, let's go take a look at it and pop the hood open and watching the, the motorhead people go like, take a, take a half step back. Like, oh, what is the, what is this monstrosity? We would like to say thank you very much to open fit. I've been getting in shape with open fit. Why? Because I, I, sometimes I'm just fed up going, driving all the way out to the gym and irritated by how much time it takes to get out there. I'm not saying I don't still go to the gym. I do. But there are many situations and many times when I just don't have that extra 30, 45 minutes to get to and from the gym. And guess what? Sometimes I just don't even want to go there because I want to exercise in the comfort of my home. Is it possible to get in shape in the comfort of your own home or your office or your hotel room? The answer is yes, if you use OpenFit. OpenFit is bringing you something new and it really does my favorite thing. It makes it easy to never miss a workout. That's the whole thing. Let me tell you what OpenFit is and, and, and why it's awesome. This is the reality is that all of us are different, right? And some workout routines are not going to be good for me. They might be good for you. You never know. You have to try them out. That's what OpenFit lets you do. It lets you try all of these different amazing classes that they get. These are led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world. You can find really great classes and you pick the one that works for you, whether that's a 10 minute workout that you do every day, a 50 minute workout you do once a week, twice a week, whatever. And they're all different kinds. That's what's amazing. There are some that are more focused on cardiovascular. There's some that are focused on strength. There's some you can do with no equipment. There's some you can do with your kids or your spouse. It's so cool. And forget about all the complexity and stress around getting fit and getting in shape or being in front of or working out with other people and you feel like you don't know what you're doing. You work out on your schedule where you want. When you want, all you need is a computer or a web-enabled TV or a tablet or your phone or a Roku. 
and there are results that you can see, you can lose up to 15 pounds in just the first 30 days. Isn't that awesome? It has changed the way that I work out. And uh, if you use the code ROADWORK, you'll be able to join me in getting in better shape. Right now, during the Open Fit 30 Day Challenge, y'all are going to get an extended 30 day free trial membership to Open Fit where you can lose 15 pounds in 30 days. This is all you have to do. You text the word ROADWORK to 303030. So 303030. Text the word ROADWORK to 303030, and you'll get full access to Open Fit, all the workouts, all their nutritional information, totally free. And that's all you got to do. Now, they want me to say, I guess, as a legal thing, standard message and data rates may apply. Big deal. Text ROADWORK to 303030 and uh, start getting in shape. It's that easy. Thanks very much to OpenFit for making this program possible. And I finally sold it to a guy. I put it on, I put it in the classified ads and a guy called me up and I don't, I was thinking I was just trying to sell it for 1500 bucks. And, um, he came to look at it and I'd been trying to sell it for a while and nobody was interested. I talked to him and he said, you know, this, this Chevy motor thing doesn't bother me. You know, I know that I, uh, I, I can tell that it was done well and I've driven, I've driven a lot of different kinds of vehicles and I need this truck for around my property or something. And he was all like cool with it. He said, let's take it, let's take it for a drive. And so we get in the truck and we start driving around and this guy starts telling me his story and his story was messed up. He was a, a young guy, but he was super racist. Really? And he was describing the fact that he and his wife had adopted or were fostering several children of color. And yet he had this, he had this like theory, he had this race theory that was, I don't, I don't remember it very well, but it was like insane. And we're driving around Seattle and I'm like, oh no, this guy's awful. I don't want to sell my truck to him. And at a certain point, we're driving up a hill, a steep hill in Seattle. And he's like, let's see what this baby can do. And he floors it. But he's looking over at me, telling me about his about his theories yeah. of the world. And as he, as he floors it, this huge puff of black smoke comes from under the hood <laughs> such that I'm <laughs> astonished he didn't see it because I was like, <gasps> and it was something I'd never seen before. Just like, Boosh. but the motor like had a lot of, had a lot of horsepower. And so the truck like lunges up the hill. Right. And I'm like, oh no, like the truck is on fire or, or that was a, that is contraindicated. We get back to the house and he says, I'll take it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what do I do now? I feel like the truck is damaged and I don't know what it is, but I don't like this guy. And then he really lowballed me. He was like, all I have is 800 bucks. And I, I looked at the whole situation and I was like, 
I'll take it. I'll take the 800 bucks. Get out of here. And he's like, awesome. Great deal. You know, and he was just a slime, a slime. Yeah. So he gets in the truck, he drives off and 45 minutes later, I'm, I'm at the house with the 800 bucks and the phone rings and it's the guy. And he says, Hey, I stopped for gas down here in Puyallup or whatever. And, uh, now I can't get the truck started. And I was like, huh? And he said, you got any idea why the truck would only run for a half an hour after I bought it and then <laughs> stop and not be able to start at all? And I was like, never had a problem with it before. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like just dripping with, with rage because his estimation, what I had done is patch some broken thing together long enough to just sell it. Just long enough to get it off your, uh, your driveway. But it was, but the deal was done, you know? And so he was like, thanks a lot, man. And I was like, Hey, don't know what to tell you, brah. It was running fine when you left lol. <laughs> so everybody was a dick in that story. Um, the, the worst part of the story is that my dad, uh, when I told him the whole story, he said, well, we can't just leave that truck up there in Northway. I said, the, the shitty Chevy truck. We absolutely can. <laughs> well, every, every penny you spent on that truck is lost money. He was like, no, no, no. We have a new, have to get a new engine put in it. And I said, do not think another thought about that truck. I hope they bury it in the tundra. Well, he collect, he connected with those guys. They put a new motor in it for him. And then he had, and he doesn't live in Alaska anymore, but he had a friend drive out there, which is not a short drive and pick up the truck, the rusty dog smelling truck, mm. uh, and drive it down to Anchorage. And that truck, I may even survive to this day. Wow. Because whoever, whoever the lucky guy was that my dad had go pick up that truck for him, my dad never went back and got it. And he never, it's not like he, he ever had the guy drive it down to Seattle, but dad couldn't, he just couldn't allow for the defeat. He couldn't let the thing, he couldn't let the truck go. He couldn't go out like that. He couldn't go out like that. So yeah. he, so he went ahead and, and, uh, and got it all fixed up. But if I had to come down on a Chevy Ford side truck wise, I think I would, that's tough because you know, the Chevy people are going to be mad, but I think I would come down as a Ford person. We have not really talked about Dodge people, although Dodges are extremely popular these days. Well, especially with the new, the new, well, technically it's not a Dodge anymore because Ram spun off on its own thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ram, <clears throat> I don't remember when that happened, but it was within the last maybe five or six years. So that, because I looked, I looked at some Rams before I decided for sure on the, the Ford F-150, I wanted to see what else was out there. Really? And so I looked at, and the Ram has, uh, the 1500 is sort of the, the same thing as the, uh, the 150. And then they've got a 2500 and a 3500, which are paralleling the two fifties and the three fifties. 
And I was very, very impressed with what they've done. They have basically made the interior on everything but the base package. Like if you go, I don't, and I don't remember the names of all these, but like whatever the base package is, that's just sort of your generic, like workman's truck, working man's truck. But the next level and up the interior is like really, I mean, it's what, what you would call American luxury. You know, it has every, everything that could possibly be put onto a screen has been moved onto a screen and every, everything has a little button and a setting and a digital thing and a whatever, but it, it was really, really nice. Actually, it was kind of impressive. But to me, when I look at stuff like that, I just think something else that could go wrong, something else that could break a little wire could come disconnected. And now you, you don't have control of your air conditioner anymore, which happened to me in my last vehicle. But overall, I mean, it's, it's a a really cool, really cool vehicle. I still like the look of the F-150 better. And I like, I don't know, there's again, like this is the, like what you were saying in the beginning. And like, I just come in on the side of Ford more than, than I do on, uh, on, on any of the other ones, but I do not, a- I have to be honest with you, John, I do not like the look of the modern day, um, Chevys at all. I don't like the look of any of them now. Have you ever seen uh, the the um, in the in the seventies? There were there were a couple of guys up the street from where my mom lived, um, who had a a Dodge Little Red Express truck. Have you ever looked at that? Mm-mm. It's a it, it's spelled L I L Little Red Express, <laughs> and it was a sort of uh, a Dodge truck that had been customized at the factory to look like the kind of custom truck that people were bu- building at the time. Um, it had, it was a, it was a step side. It had wood paneling. It had like cool sort of semi truck side pipes that went up above the cab. Okay. Are you looking at one now? I'm pulling Seems one up. Seems like something that you normally do. You yeah, look at I, I one. Yeah, I try to, yeah. Anyway, there was one of these in our neighborhood. And it was a very cool truck. A very strong advertisement to a little boy for a Dodge. Oh, yeah. And Dodge trucks from that era are are very cool, I think. And if I if I was a different kind of guy, I think I would maybe consider being a Dodge pickup truck owner from the of a, of a seventies Dodge, but the new, new Ram trucks with their big diesel motors and new Ford trucks, new Chevy trucks. It's all, it, it all just makes me feel bad. They're all so ugly. What can you do? Are you looking at a little red express? Yeah, I am. Is that too, is that too much, uh, too much Chrome for you? (sighs) What year? Well, that's a 78. I think there was a thing yeah. that they only did for a couple of years, 78, 79. Uh, it's not too much. I mean, it's, it's got the big sort of, uh, the big pipes and everything. Mm-hmm. I would, I would drive that around here around. I'd get, I'd get tons of street cred around here if I drove that thing. Oh, you'd be cool. Yeah. Everybody would be honking at you. And it's got the, some of these in the pictures have the wood paneling and. Now, what do you think about a step side? Do you like a step side? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
Do you like a step side on any kind of truck? I uh, know it has to look right. It has to look just right. Well, g- Google step side. Yeah, have, I, I know what they are. Yeah. Uh, what about you know? What I'm uh, saying though, it has to it has to look right. Has to look right. What about a long bed versus a short bed? I'm fine with either one of them. Mine, my, I have the super, uh, super crew, so that I I can fit everybody inside of it. So I've got a shorter bed, and I don't love that, but it's it's better than the compromise I would have to make having two kids constantly getting in and out of the back of it if it was smaller. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do like I do like I don't like you know there there are those super long beds. I don't want that. I would never want that. But I think mine is like f- five foot eight, five foot nine, something like that, length of the bed. Which just means that a lot of the time you got you have to have something kind of sticking up over the tailgate a little bit. Or you yeah. gotta tie something down that you might not have had to tie it down. But I do haul children more than I haul lumber. So it's been all right. And, you know, worst case scenario, you just leave the tailgate open and you tie it down and you're fine. It's not that bad. Well, one day, Dan, I'm going to have to get a new vehicle. What will you get? Well, I look at cars all day. I look at them all day long and I just don't like anything. And it's so depressing. I think there would have been a time, there've probably been plenty of times, and maybe there are people listening to the show that feel this way now, that there are multiple cars that they like, that the challenge would be just to choose, just to choose between like all the good cars that they, they, they can't decide which one is the best. But for me, it's just like, uh, I also have to choose between five different options that I don't, I don't think any one of them is very good. Mm. And my, my instinct, and I think it's probably an, uh, like a, um, it's a flawed instinct is to always get the biggest, most decked out thing. And by decked out, I don't mean with luxury, like window washing options, but like the one that has the biggest suspension, the biggest motor, the most capable mechanical uh, setup. And so I end up in a lot of things with with an overkill problem. Mm. I have a thing that does more things than I need. Um, things that I can never possibly use. And I think you see this on computers a lot where people want to want their computer to be this, um, this superpower thing that would enable them to do video editing and whatnot. right. They're going to be editing five K video and, 300 track audio but realistically they're just like checking their email and looking at reddit right but in cars this is a real problem for me and so there's a there's what i what i kind of aspire to is some big honking rig but what do i do i don't every once in a while i haul some stuff i don't need a big but you're a big man you're a big person physically large that's the thing. So, so I need a I need a vehicle that is spacious in the cabin, but I don't want to drive like a one of those new taxi cabs, right? 
And probably I could just get away with some mid-sized SUV. Let's just call it what it is. A mid-sized SUV. That's 80% of the cars on the road now. Mid-sized SUV. I don't want a mid-sized SUV. It's 80% of the cars on the road. It's a minivan. I don't want a minivan. I want a big... I either want a big honking truck or an impractical little sports car or something with some style, some car from the 60s that can only accelerate in a straight line and spins out on every time there's a wet corner. I want something that's got like, that's fun to own. And why do I want that? There are no fun roads around here. Seattle isn't a fun place to drive. It's a, it's a shitty place to drive like everywhere. I don't live on a mountain road. I don't live out in the desert. I just need a, I basically just need a commuter car that has room for me to put my crafts. I mean, it's that Brian, bad. I need, just did, need a minivan, frankly. No, you don't want a van anymore though. Do you? Vans are out. Are they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I love, I love driving a truck around here cause we got a lot of hills we get all kinds of weather. I have had so many occasions where I've needed to haul stuff or transport stuff. And then on the inside, it's huge. It's huge and fit five people easy in there comfortably and super safe. And I fill up the tank once every like two and a half, three weeks. Well, so my friend, Adam, who's Adam a long time. No, Adam uh, Pranica. He's a longtime BMW guy. Oh yeah. Been driving BMW since he was in high school. He he works on them himself. He's a he's a real fan of the brand. And his wife got tired of the of her BMW that he bought for her that he kept tinkering on. And she went out and bought one of these uh Tesla Model 3s. Uh-huh. And Adam, who's a ultra car snob, reported to me that the Tesla Model 3 was an incredible car and he was blown away by it. And that <clears throat> meant a lot coming from him, given that given that I've heard him talk about cars for years and years. I know what he thinks is cool. I know that he's a person interested in handling and so forth. Uh, and I talked to him last week. He got rid of his own BMW and has bought a Model 3 for himself. Mm. Which, there's a part of me that just says, like, well, game over. If if this friend of mine that's really, really into cars now owns two Model 3s in his family, I feel like you got to give that car a second glimpse. And that would be such a change for me to be Mr. Little Tech Bubble Car instead of big honking truck. Yeah. I, I could not imagine you at all in that. Yeah. Me not, a, not at all. But here, but here we are. But you're, so you're getting a Tesla model three. No, no, I'm waiting for my house to, to close at which point I will have uh, money in the bank and I'll be living in the guest room of my daughter's mother's house. So this is the plan now. This is what you're, this is what you're doing. Well, I don't, I can't call it a, a plan, Dan. It is just the state of affairs. Okay. All right. 
And this would be a very bad time to buy a new car. To, to be in this state of flux. Yeah. So, um, but like I say, I'm thinking about it all the time. So you gotta, you gotta, if I didn't have five anxieties powering me down the road, I'd, I, why would I, why would I wake up in the morning? 